So imagine this scene with me. You are sitting down to Thanksgiving dinner. You have all your relatives, some that are close, some that are distant. They've all gathered in your house, and you're getting ready to partake of this wonderful feast, and Aunt Flo, right next to you, says, So, tell me about your homeschooling. What do you say? How do you explain Charlotte Mason homeschooling to a relative just off the bat like that? How deep do you go? How do you explain it? Let's talk about that and give you some ideas to help you in that situation. Welcome to the Simply Charlotte Mason podcast. I'm Sonia Schaefer. Today we want to talk about how do you explain something so deep and so rich as a Charlotte Mason education and something so different? How do you explain that to relatives who are inquiring? Joining me for this discussion is my friend Amber O'Neill Johnston. Amber, have you ever encountered a situation like that? All the time. Every time I get together with our (laughs) extended family and coming from, I was raised by two public school principals and a whole family full of teachers and educators. There's a whole nother layer. That's a whole nother layer. So this would come up frequently for us. Yeah. So as you got started, this probably came up more than just at Thanksgiving dinner. Mm -hmm. So yeah. How did you approach it? Well, at first, I was very defensive, mm-hmm. and I just wanted to tell all the things all at once and get everybody on my side yeah. to agree with me. I'm going to tell you how wonderful this is, and there's this, and there's this, and here are the books you can read, and here's a website, and and all of that. And once you do all that, you'll see how great this is. And I saw, okay, that did not work. <laughs> um, and I think I learned to pace myself, that I'm in relationship with my relatives for the long haul, and that I don't have to explain every single thing. So I start with something light and tell a little bit about some of the ways we spend our days. And uh, over time, more and more unfolds. I think that's wise. Um, When someone asks that question, especially if it's a distant relative whom you don't see very often, one of the first things you have to do is assess what is their interest level. Are they just making casual conversation and they're hoping for a two-sentence answer? You know, like, how's the weather been right, you know, right. type level? Or do they really want you to dive in and go deep? So I guess assessing their interest level would happen by, as you said, give them a little bit and wait and see how they respond. Right, because they might be like, oh, that sounds great. Or they might be like, well, how do you do that? Or, mm. well, wouldn't it be better for them to get that at school? Or anything that they may um, ask as follow-up questions. But if they don't have any follow-up questions, it's like pass the pie. Yeah. Then, you know, okay, <laughs> I can hold back on all of my uh, other ideas or maybe for another time. So let's talk about, as you give those first couple of ideas, mm-hmm. How do you present it? I know Charlotte talked about we don't go on the attack. Mm -hmm. We simply state our philosophy and practice, Mm -hmm. and we don't attack the other person. How have you put that into practice in those you know, initial sentences. Yes, I think in the beginning, I thought the easiest thing to do would be to compare and contrast to help mm-hmm. uh, my family really understand the differences with the Charlotte Mason education. But I realized that every time I contrasted what we, well, we do this while at school, they do this, or traditionally, these are things are done, I was not only attacking in my family, their careers and their mm. kind of life calling, but also the education they had received and what they had given me. 
as their child. And so I think that causes people to become sensitive and feel attacked. And so I think since then, I've learned to lead with what we do do versus um, what we don't do as much when it's Mm. comparing it to what someone else may have experienced. So for instance, I talk about living books. And but I leave out the part like as opposed to those dry textbooks, you know, <laughs> or you know, I talk about this idea of spending time in nature and what we do there as opposed to versus canceling recess everywhere. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I stay positive and state the affirmative and let them infer some of the other things. And I think you know we do. There is some contrasting that needs to happen to fully understand it, but it doesn't all need to happen in in every conversation, especially not the early ones. Yeah, that's a good point. The rest of that quote about that Charlotte Mason said about Mm -hmm. state your theory but don't attack is because when a person is on the defense, their minds are not open to new ideas. That's true. So, yeah, especially if your parents or other relatives are in an educational profession. Yeah, for sure. It, it feels very attacking. Yeah. Now, did you actually say we use living books? Yes, I did. I said we li- use living books. And they're like, well, what are living books? And then by de- instead of working harder to define them, I defined them first, like, totally different than what we use, you know? <laughs> I mean, it, just not really thinking fully toward what I was saying, that what I was saying had more, it was more than just communicating what we do in our home, but it also was saying that it's the opposite of what you do mm-hmm. and what you did with me and what was, you know what I mean? So I think there has to be some sensitivity there. Um, I also think, as we think of who we're talking to, close relatives, as for us, it's grandparents, I give a lot of latitude to in terms of patience. Mm. Um, I think that when I dig deeper, when my parents were like, "What are you doing?" Yeah. and I, "You're I, ruining yeah, my grandchildren." Right. Yeah. I, I think it came down to fear. They love them so mm-hmm. much and want the best for them, and I think they're afraid that um, whatever my crazy kids are in there doing in their house, that somehow my grandchildren will miss out on opportunities or fulfillment or a full education. And to have someone else love your children that much that that they Mm. have thoughts about their future and and sometimes worry, I think, is a gift. So I had to step back and say, these are my parents. These are my in-laws. They love our children so much. And rather than trying to get frustrated and rather than becoming frustrated with their care, I need to take patient time to let this unfold for them. So what did that look like for you, this patient unfolding? Mm-hmm. Was it just more, let's go have lunch so I can dump some more information in your ear? Or how no, did you unfold that? That was not working, right? Because <laughs> thing, I realized I've had years to explore this, to oh, learn, yes. to read Charlotte Mason's volumes and talk through them with friends and conferences and podcasts. And so to come to someone and expect them to fully embrace it over tea one day can be difficult, <laughs> yeah. right? And so for me, one of the things I did is invite them in. So rather than tell you about the walks we take, I look, would you like to go on a walk with us? Um, Rather than tell you about the handcrafts and handicrafts that my kids make, they would give those as gifts. So they would see firsthand. And sometimes we would even read books based on things that I knew really interested, particularly one of the kids' grandfathers is really into certain aspects of um, military and war and things like that so that my kids could talk to him about it. And he Mm. was impressed. He was like, 
wow, I don't expect kids to know this about this. And I was just like, this is a great living books that they read that really gave them a relationship with this thing that you love. So I feel like that has been singularly the most effective idea is inviting them into our world so that they can see and feel a living education, mm -hmm. a relational education for themselves rather than just trying to describe it. I love those ideas of you know, reading about things that the parent, the grandparents are mm -hmm. interested mm -hmm. in, and do the handicrafts and nature walks. What other ways have you been able to show rather than tell? Yeah, one of my favorites. Uh, when I was dating my husband, my father-in-law made a reference to a poem I was not familiar with. It was called Trees, and he said this is my favorite, all-time favorite poem. And you know, I'm dating his son, so I took a mental note. <laughs> and years later, I added that into our recitations in the morning, and my kids learned that poem. And the next time we saw him, they excitedly ran up and started reciting it and he was so touched by that I think and he's since passed away so that is a like a memory that we have but I feel that we won him over with our sweetness <laughs> um, but so I think that sometimes relatives sometimes uh, you have to balance between being um, patient and being protective mm. so if they need more time maybe work harder to bring them into your world and if they're being truly antagonistic then your first responsibility is to protect your children that's a good point. Yeah, we, we should not assume their intent, right. but we need to be prudent. Definitely. We need to be wise in our dealings with them, but always, as you said, patient mm -hmm. and our, know what our intent is, right. that, that we are not going to attack. Yes. We are just going to state. Um, and as we state, I, I want to bring up one more mm -hmm. thing. You used the term living books. Mm -hmm. You used the term form of relation. Mm -hmm. Were the relatives able to understand those? I usually think of those as that's CM jargon yes. right there. You know, that's those are terms that we use in the CM world, but other people might not get it, right. or they kind of um, look at you funny. Yeah. It's like living books. Here like, they go oh, again. What's yeah. this? Yeah. So, talk a little bit about how much CM terminology did you use? And maybe it was a process. Mm -hmm. As you went over time, you could throw in a little bit more. Talk a little bit about language. Yeah, I think it's better to speak in, in language that the listener can understand because our number one goal is to communicate. Um, for me, it really comes down to how comfortable I am and how deep I think this conversation is going to get. Mm. So for living books, my mom immediately said, what is that? And that was really easy for me to say the kind you don't want to stop reading. And just that, of course, there's so much more to it. But right yeah. away, that set a stage for her that she understood enough for the conversation um, to continue. And there are other times, you know, my kids are like, oh, I'm going to narrate. I'm going to narrate. And she's like, what are the kids talking about, you know? <laughs> and I told her, I was like, well, you know, when he was in here the other day telling us all about that movie and every single detail, and we were like, okay. I was like, he was narrating what, what he had seen. In this case, they narrate what they read. And she's like, Oh, wow. She's like, so it's kind of like a quiz. And I'm like, nope, not like a quiz at all. You know, but we're get, you know, we get there and we have fun with it. And I think for me, it's not becoming defensive because mm. sometimes people are like, well, I don't understand why that's important. And you want to be like, oh, you know, they're questioning me. But I still remember, no, they're loving my kids. Mm. Again, wanting to make sure. So I think there's, um, there's balance in everything. But using words that people are familiar with is, I think, a gracious way to converse. That's a wonderful way to put it, a gracious way. I think the whole process 
is that we want, throughout the whole process, we want to be the ones that display the grace. That's right and the patience and the love, we are still, hmm, now there's an idea, it just came to mind. Mm. Um, we are still creating the atmosphere That's right. that our children are watching. They're watching our interaction with those relatives, um, even if they're sitting at the children's table, yeah, you know. They're paying attention, <laughs> yeah. yes. But they, they get that atmosphere, and they know if we are on the defensive right. and trying to prove our point mm -hmm. or if we are continuing to show that grace right. and love. And I think that's very important. And in the end, the proof is in the pudding. So mm -hmm. I think all the people around you who love your children are going to continue to see them grow and blossom. And that is going to be the answer to all the questions that they had. That takes faith on our part. It does. And theirs too. Faith True. in us. You know, I remember my mom saying that um, I'm not a big fan of homeschooling, but I'm your biggest fan. Wow. Yeah. Oh, trophy for her. Yeah. That was, that was the best mom statement right Definitely. there. <laughs> That's great. All right. Thanks so much, Amber. You're welcome. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Thanks so much for joining me. I'll see you next time.